My name is Hunter Tan, and you're listening to the Legacy of Ministry podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the legacy left by my grandfather, Pastor David Tan, and his 55-year ministry. During that time, he took seriously the call to go into the world and make disciples. He traveled the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and pastor churches in Auburn, Washington and Missoula, Montana. He had a heart for God's word. These are his sermons. And while they may be 20 years old, I know that as you listen, you will find that the word he preached is still living and active. God has never, ever once failed us. But I say, oh God, there is much more that I need from you. I need God every single day, every single moment of every single day. We need more of God. Where am I going to get my values, the word or the world? If you build them on values from the word of God, they are eternal values. How many know they're going to last forever? This is David Tan's Legacy of Ministry. I continue the series that we started about three weeks ago. Foundations for Effective Living. And uh, today we're going to be talking about committing your life. Discovering and developing your God-given purpose is what this is all about. About a year ago, a little over a year ago, we did the 40 Days of Purpose, and uh, numbers of you, uh, your lives were changed. Well, this is on the same vein, really, but uh, different, but still talking about the purpose of life. The first week we looked at prioritizing your values. And I asked you, I suggested that you make a list of values that you want for you and for your children. And then last week we looked at understanding how God shaped us using our, or fulfilling our purpose that God made us for. And what we're going to talk about this morning is commitment. We live in a society that fears commitment. People are afraid to make commitments. The number of people that live together outside of marriage because they don't want to really make that kind of commitment has gone up 700% since 1970. Americans have a very cynical and skeptical view. We don't really want to be committed to anything. We want to just do our own thing. And that's sad because commitment is the secret of effective living. Without commitment, there is no focus. Without commitment, there is no persistence. In other words, if you want to leave, you just leave. If you're married, you at least try to work it out. You have some kind of commitment to that relationship or, or your job or whatever else or your church. 
Without commitment, there is no achievement. And there is no success. Because commitment is a secret to effective living. Now here's a biblical basis for this third step that we want to talk about this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. From the Living Bible, it says, Give yourselves completely. Say completely. Give yourselves completely, not partially, but completely to God to be used for His good purposes. Why are we giving ourselves completely to God? To be used for His purposes. He's got a purpose for your life. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, from the Good News translation, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Then you'll be able to know the will of God that is good, pleasing, and perfect. I would like to ask you to circle or underline give and offer in your notes. What we're talking about here is not something that you do as a one-time commitment, but it is something that you continually do every single day. You say, okay, God, am I going to live my way or am I going to live your way? Am I going to fulfill my purpose or am I going to fulfill your purpose in my life? And here's the way Paul said it. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer me that's living, but it is Christ that's living in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So he's saying, you know, I have come to the place in my life where I recognize that it is no longer me. I have been crucified. Myself is dead. It is now Christ that's living in me. That's what we're talking about, is finding the purpose and letting Jesus Christ live that purpose through you. Today I want us to look at the barriers that keep us from taking that step. You know, you can be a Christian and still not have given yourself 100% to God. You still hold back some areas of your life. We sing the chorus, I surrender all the kingdoms of my life. But really down inside, most of us have some little secret kingdoms that we want to hang on to for ourselves. We, we don't trust God to be able to handle it. And so today, uh, some of those kingdoms may be your career. It could be uh, dating somebody. It could be uh, some other friendship. You haven't given totally 100% of your will and your life to God. You're still holding back. And I want us to look at the barriers today. But before we do, let's review why I should do it. And it's really very simple. There are three reasons for committing my life to God. Number one, it's what I was made for. How many understand by now that God made you for a purpose? Let me ask that again. How many understand by now that God made you for a purpose? Sure he did. We, we, we talked about that the last couple of weeks. And number two, 
God knows what's best for you. And he wants what's best for you. Do you realize that God wants, when, he, when the choir was saying God is good, God wants what's best for you. He's good and he wants what's good for you. And then number three, it's the key to satisfaction and success in life. Here's your memory verse. And you can memorize it from whatever translation you choose. This is, I think, the New International Version. In everything you do, put God first, and he will crown your efforts with success. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. We're not getting this. Are we getting any slides up here? Hello? I see the sound men talking to each other in the back in front of the kitchen. That's a dangerous sign. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. And, and the... the, the uh, King James Version says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. There are many other promises in the word of God. God wants to bless your life, but first of all, you have to take that first step. And the big question comes up, if it's what I was made to do, then why am I not doing it? Does that make sense? If God made you for something and you're not doing it, how many know that you're not going to be near as fulfilled as if you do what God made you to be? Well, there are four reasons why most people don't do what God made them to be. Number one is resentment toward God. We get angry at God sometimes. We blame God for things that God didn't even do. You know, sometimes we do some foolish things ourselves, we, and other people do things to us, and, and then it doesn't turn out the way we hoped it would be, and, and we start blaming God because it didn't come out the way we think it should be. Remember this, God never makes a mistake. And remember that God is sovereign. He does what he chooses to do for what's best for you even though sometimes you don't understand it. So don't blame God for what other people do or for what you do to yourself. You know, it's, it's interesting, but the Bible has something to say about everything. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, it says, People's own foolishness ruins their lives, but in their minds they blame the Lord. People's own foolishness. Sometimes you do foolish things and it doesn't work out and then all of a sudden we get angry at God. Well, number one is don't blame God. Number two is distractions in our culture. Keep us from committing ourselves 100% to God because we get so busy. We get caught up in the world's value system, and we talked about that, possessions, pleasure, and prestige. We get caught up in the American dream, I'm going to live the good life. 
And we spend all of our time trying to acquire these three things. And as a result, we miss God's purpose. Let me, let me just say this to you. You cannot discover and fulfill God's purpose in your life if you spend all of your time chasing after the things of the world like pleasure, prestige, and possessions. Now, there's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. There's nothing wrong with people looking up to you. But if that's where your whole life is built around, if that's all that you do in your life, you are going to miss God's reason for why you're on earth. Hello? How many agree with that? In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, from the Living Bible, it gives us it, it, it tells us what keeps us from committing our lives ourselves completely to God. It says, The attractions of this world and the delights of wealth and the search for success and the lure of nice things come in and crowd out God. Say crowd out. They crowd out God. How many know that I didn't write this, Jesus said it? How many know that he knew what he was talking about? Certainly he did. And it's time that we begin to believe what the Word of God says and not what society says. Now Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, nobody can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and money. So in other words, if you are seeking for pleasure, success, and so on, if this is your goal in life, you are then not seeking the kingdom of God. You know, I used to think this was a lively bunch. The early service was much more receptive. But the point is really very clear. You cannot make these the goal of your life. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 4 says, A fool thinks only about having a good time. There's nothing wrong with having a good time. The Bible encourages that. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, God created everything in the world for our enjoyment. How many know God wants you to enjoy life? He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have a good time. However, once again, if that is the ultimate goal of your life, you are missing what God has for you. God wants to give you pleasure by doing the things that he created you to do. You will enjoy life. Number three is a desire for independence. Americans glamorize independence. Our country was founded on the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we idealize songs that talk about this. Some of you won't remember, but there was a song some time ago that was popular. It was titled, Don't Fence Me In. How many remember that? Some of you don't want to admit your age. 
or I've got to be me. Or that uh, great theological classic, I did it my way. Can you imagine getting to heaven? And God says to you, did you fulfill my purpose for your life? And you say, no, I did it my way. And he would say to you, are you are, do you understand what you're saying? Do you understand what you did? Instead of my purpose for your life, you did it your way. What were you thinking? You see, we live in this world for 60, 70, 80 years, or however long, and, and we fulfill whatever we do in this life, but there comes a time when we're going to stand before God, and God is going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you a gift. What did you do with it? And just to tell you that I'm telling the truth, Jesus gave the parable of, of the guy that he gave five talents to and one, two, and one, one. And he didn't just give it to them and walk away and say, bless you guys, have a great time. He came back and said, what did you do with it? Now, many people think that life is like a buffet. When you think of going through a buffet, and I've gone through a few buffets, <laughs> and when you're an expert, you know that the cheap stuff is in the front of the line. You get all your salads in front, your jello, stuff that, you know, it's just, it's not that expensive. You know the ribs are at the end of the line. <laughs> and so you start filling your plate, and if you're an expert at it, you walk past the salads. <laughs> you just cruise right on by, and you come to the good stuff, and you start putting that on your plate. <laughs> You've been there. But unfortunately, there are people who face life like a buffet line. All of their lives, they come to the buffet line that God set up, and they say, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to try that. I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to try this, and I don't think I'll do that. And then when they come to the end of the line and they come to the presence of God, they stand there with an empty plate because they never decided what it was that God wanted them to do. They never made a commitment to say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. I want to do what you have called me to do. There are, only, there are two tragedies in life. Number one is sometimes we overcommit to things that are not important. If I were to ask you this morning, there would be many of you, and the new phrase that's used often is, my plate is too full. I got too many things to do. I don't have time to be committed to the house of God. I don't have time to be committed to the church. So, so we're overcommitted to too many things, and, and the second thing is, we never commit to anything of significance. We just go on through life, and we never really get it done. We keep saying, 
I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, and it never happens. You know, do you know what uh, independence really is? It's an ego trip. I don't wanna ask anybody for help. I, I can do it my way. I'm, we're proud of the, I remember watching, I like to watch the reruns of um, Home Improvement. I remember watching Tim and, and um, Jill. They were driving to a wedding one day and, and they got lost. Tim never admitted he was lost. Jill said, why don't you ask somebody for directions? And he said, we're not lost. They never did get to the wedding, however. Why is it when we're lost, we don't want to admit it? Why is it when we're lost spiritually, when we're in this haze of stuff that's going on around us, we don't want to admit that we need somebody to help us get out of the maze and get on with the life that God has planned for us? Well, look at how God talks about self-sufficient people. Proverbs 10, verse 8, from the Living Bible the self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. How many have ever fallen flat on your face? Sure you have. Well, there's a fourth barrier that keeps us from giving 100% to God. It's fear of commitment. Our nation is consumed with this fear of commitment. People say, what if, what if I become a Christian? Will I stumble and I stumble and I don't make it? Well, let me tell you something. You will stumble and you will fall. There is nobody in this room that after you became a Christian, you didn't make a mistake, you didn't fall, you didn't fail. Because we all do. Committing your life totally to God doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect for the rest of your life because you won't be, but God will help you to do what he calls you to do. I guarantee that he'll do that. The greatest fear of all that keeps us from really giving 100% to God is the fear of losing control. If I give my life to God 100%, I'm going to lose control. Well, I've got a surprise for you. You're not in control right now. Because if you were, then why do you have problems? If you were in control, there's nobody in this room that say, well, I'm in control, but I'm going to choose to have a few problems along the way. Huh? Huh? The reason you have problems is because you are not in control. We can't control what happens to us. We can't control our economy. We can't control the weather. But most of all, we just are not in control, even though we like to think we are. I am the master of my fate. I've heard people say, uh-uh, you're not, not even close. God is the master of your fate. And that's why you have problems, and that's why you're stressed out. 
But there's something, or there's somebody who does have control, and that's God. So why would we give him our lives to control when he knows exactly what he's doing? Say, well, I, I, I'm just afraid of God. I think he's out to get me. Don't flatter yourself. Because, let me tell you something, perfect love casts out fear, and God loves perfectly. Let me give you a scripture. I hope you have this underlined by now. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good plans, plans to prosper you, plans to bless you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has good, say good plans. Good plans. Who has bad plans for you? The devil does. He would love for you to continue to walk the way you're walking because he knows it's going to lead in disaster and destruction. God says, but listen, I have good plans for you. Now, I am an imperfect father, but I love to do good things for my children, and so do you. Now, if I'm an imperfect father and I like to do nice things for my kids, how many know that a perfect heavenly father will always do the right thing for his children and you are his children? Hallelujah. But you know, before he can do that, you've got to be blessable. Say, so what do you mean? If you had a child and that child was on drugs and they came to you and said, Dad, I need a hundred bucks to buy some drugs. You'd say, I don't think so. But if that child came to you and said, Dad, I made a pledge to missions for a hundred dollars and I've, I have, uh, I have uh, raised uh, $90, I still need $10. Dad, you think you could help me? How many dads are here that wouldn't do that? Why? Because they're blessable. The kid that, 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 that is on drugs is not in a position of being blessed. And, and you are not in a position of being blessed if you're not doing what God created you to do. But if you do what God created you to do and you put yourself in a position of being blessed, then the Bible says God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. Because God is good all the time. Do you think you could sing that song in two weeks for the missions convention? I think that would be a good song. Two weeks. Sunday, you can hear it again. <laughs> you were just too quiet this morning. Ecclesiastes 11.4 If you wait for perfect conditions... You'll never get anything done. Some of you have been sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting, saying, you know, one day, um, maybe in 2005, I'm going to really do something for God. Maybe next month, 
when I really feel better, I think I might be able to do, maybe once I get uh, everything lined up financially, then I can maybe start doing something for, for God. Have you noticed a common thing in these verses about barriers? It says, people's own foolishness ruins their lives. A fool thinks only about having a good time. The self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. Are you picking up a theme here? Hello? Now here's the point. It's not smart to not live God's purpose for your life. If you're not living God's purpose, then you're really not living. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. Leave behind your foolishness and begin to live. No matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. The churning that you feel in your heart this morning, you can be forgiven. Today, you can give every area of your life to God, the shameful parts even, the things that you're not proud of, the things that nobody else knows about. You can give it to God and say, God, I want to find your purpose for my life. How do you do that? How do you give yourself 100% to God? Number one, compare the cost with the benefits. You know, Jesus was very upfront about this. He always told people, if you want to follow me, you count the cost first. In fact, in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, he said, don't begin until you commit, uh, you count the cost. Don't start following me until you know what you're doing. You, you count the cost. He's talking about following him. It costs you three things. Number one, I give up my right to do whatever I want to do with my life. Well, guess what? God gave you the right to do whatever you want to do. He gave you a choice. Do you know that right now, in this minute, God could cut off the oxygen right now if he wanted to? And then what choice would you have? So he gives you the right to make choices. Number two, you say, I give up my control of my resources. Well, they're not yours in the first place. Who gave you the right to earn your money? I have seen people, and so have you, that have absolutely no way that they can survive by themselves. They're totally dependent on caregivers, and they, they just lay there. They moan and groan, and I mean, it's a pathetic thing. They have no ability to earn money. And yet God gave you that ability. God gave you the ability to earn money. So don't start saying, well, well, if, if I commit to God, he's going to take my money. Uh-uh. It's not yours anyhow. It's on loan from God to you. Are we okay? Everybody fine? <laughs> Thank you. 
Number three, I give up pursuing the world's values. Pleasure, possessions, prestige. It doesn't mean that I can't have fun. It doesn't mean that you can't have possessions. Or you can't have prestige. But that's not the main motivation of life. What's the cost of not following God? Well, number one, I lose the ultimate meaning of my life. Think this through for a minute. If God, he said, while you were yet in your mother's womb, he knit you together and he had a plan for every day of your life. We read that two weeks ago. He had a plan for every day of your life. Now, if you are missing the plan that God has for you, how many understand that you are missing the meaning of life? Because you're living as a second-class citizen. You're not doing what God says. This is what you're... And how many know that you're going to find the joy of living when you start living the way God intended you to live? Number two, I lose the joy of expressing my God-given shape. We talked about that last week. There's, there's no greater joy than being used by God. I lose the joy of expressing what God made me to be. Boy, there's just nothing, nothing like uh, winning somebody to Jesus Christ and seeing their life changed. And we're going to have that opportunity, I believe, during this movie. Um, and and, I, and that's why I want you to make sure to get some tickets and, and, and take somebody to it. And, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to do some things in our church that are going to give you opportunities to bring people, to, to help them. Number three, I lose my eternal reward. One day you're going to stand before your Creator and God's going to say to you, what did you do with what I gave you? And what are you going to say to Him? I did it my way? The Bible says, trust God to help you keep your commitment. Trust God. You say, what if God asked me to do something difficult? I've said it before, I say it again. God will never ask you to do something that you can't do. He'll give you the power. Listen to what it says in Psalms 37, 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who is at work within you, giving you both the will and the power to achieve his purpose. What if I make a commitment and I can't keep that commitment? Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. God is able to help you keep what you've committed and to do what you've committed. You know, when you're sitting in an airplane, 
and you, you taxi up to the head of the runway, the, the, the pilot says, now, we are number one for takeoff. And as everybody, the, the flight attendants sit down and buckle in and we're, we're, we're getting ready and you, you feel the engines begin to roar and the, the, the plane begins to shiver a little bit. And then all of a sudden it begins to, take, it begins to go down the runway. And the faster and faster it goes, it gets to the point where the pilot has to make a decision to pull the rudder back to get that thing up in the air or else crash and end your life. There comes a point when he says, okay, I, 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 we're going fast enough, now we can get off the ground. Or if he senses something is wrong and he changes his mind, you crash and that's it. There are some people in the, in the community of God who have been sitting on the runway all of their lives uh, revving the engines uh, and revving the engines and revving the engines, but they never ever take off. Just sit there and rev the engines. Say, one of these days I'm going to take off. I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm not telling you this because I want you to feel bad. I'm telling you this because it's God's word. And one day God is going to say to you, what did you do? with what I gave you. What's holding you back from really being all God wants you to be? What's holding you back from saying, God, I, I just want to give my whole life to you? The real issue is, do you want to be a casual Christian for the rest of your life? C.S. Lewis said this, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The only thing that Christianity cannot be is moderately important. What does that mean? It means that all it means to some is that they come to church on Sunday morning and they sit in a pew and they listen to a sermon and they go home and they criticize the sermon or they say it was a great sermon, whatever they say, and then they come back the next week and they go through the same thing again and the next week they do it again and the next week they miss because they're too tired and then the next week they come again. But nothing happens in between. And what that says is that it's moderately important. It's not the most important thing in my life. But it is moderately important. And if that's the truth, and if the truth is that it is important, then it deserves all you've got. If it's not true, then don't worry about it. Don't come to church next Sunday. Go and play golf in the snow. Because it means nothing. Are you, are you understanding what I'm telling you? Somebody's phone is ringing like crazy.
So don't go say, well, you know, pastor told me not to come to church next Sunday, so I guess I won't. What I'm saying is make this relationship with God the most important thing in your life. That's what Jesus wants. And when you do that, I guarantee he is going to give you blessings that you cannot contain. We used to sing the song, there's honey in the rock, it tastes like honey in the rock, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And that is absolutely true if you do what God asks you to do. But the reason we're bored with Christianity is because we're bored with life, because we're not doing what God called us to do. Oh, boy. You know, some of you might be climbing the ladder of success, and you're giving everything to it. And you may find when you get to the top of that ladder that you're leaning on the wrong wall. That it really isn't what you thought it was going to be. But I guarantee that if you climb the ladder that Jesus has for you, the ladder of commitment where you say, I want to do what God wants me to be, do. I want to be what God wants me to be. I guarantee that when you come to the end of the way, you're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Think about it. 60, 70, 80, 90 years the older I get, the older I make it. Because it goes by quickly. And when it's done, when you're laying in the casket and they're saying all kinds of nice words about you, and they're saying what a good person you were, when I am standing here and I look at that casket, you will be in the presence of God. And you will then begin to live for eternity, not just 60, 70, or 80, or 90 years, but for eternity. And yet we give all of our time to doing this little block of time. And God says, I created you for a purpose. And I want you to find that purpose. I want you to fulfill that purpose. As a church, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help you find that. We're trying to help you. That's why we have classes. But they're no good unless you attend them. And I'm not, I'm not scolding you. I'm, I'm just telling you um, because, because I feel this in my heart. I love you, and I want the best for you. And so I'm just trying to help you find the best. Listen, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do.
So he, he planned, Sarah, he planned something just for you. See, he planned something for every one of us. And he's saying, are you doing what I planned you to do? Can you imagine? I, I just, I cannot even begin to imagine. But can you think about this? If everybody in this room did what God called you to do, what God created you to do, this would become a smooth running machine that God had prepared for Missoula, Montana. And what an impact we could have if everybody did what God said, do this. Instead of griping and complaining about little insignificant things that aren't going to matter 10 weeks from now or in 10 days from now. But we get caught up by being negative, uncaring. God says, put that garbage behind you and start doing what I called you to do. Amen? And it all starts with making a commitment to Jesus Christ to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to your cross I cling. Jesus, come into my life. Help me to start finding the purpose that you have for me. You want fulfillment, I'll guarantee you'll find it. When you say, Jesus, you lead me. It's no longer me that's living, but it's Christ that lives in me. never to forget all the wonderful things that you've done in my life. 